All right, now everybody back to your seat. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 8. This is where we're going to be throughout this series. Are you all enjoying the Discovery Series so far? We started this last Sunday, and we're going to be in this for the next few weeks. We're going to take a break next weekend for Resurrection Weekend, and then we'll pick it right back up the very next week and go into the month of May. Then we've got another series coming as soon as this is over that I'm simply calling Entrepreneur, and it is going to be awesome. I can just tell you God is dropping some stuff in my spirit about that. So y'all get ready. A lot of good things coming. John chapter 3, verse 8 says this, The wind blows wherever it will. You hear the sound it makes, but you're not real sure where it comes from. In other words, it's not, it's not saying that you don't know the source of the wind. You're just not really sure the direction. You hear the sound that the wind is making, but there's things about that sound that are, that are not locking in with you as much. You hear the sound it makes, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't really know where it's going either. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Here's the thing that we have to lock onto. It does not matter who we are, does not matter our heritage, it does not matter what we have experienced up to this point, it doesn't matter who your parents are, it does not matter what your denominational background is. If the Spirit of God, if the wind of God is not actively moving in your life, my friend, you are missing what God has designed you to be. And you can't find your identity until you are filled with his spirit. But the beautiful thing is he is not holding his spirit back from anybody. He says, if if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Ghost to them who ask? So why don't we take about 30 seconds right here at the beginning of this sermon. Let's just spend about 30 seconds just inviting Jesus to invade our understanding, to invade our minds, to invade our hearts. God, we need you this morning. We need your power. We need your glory. We need your anointing to fill this place. Come on, church. Let's lift our voice. Let's cry out to God. Jesus, fill me with your spirit today. Let your word come alive in this place, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you don't mind, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. That's where we're going to be for the next part of this sermon. Last Sunday, we started a new series that I'm calling Discovery because we ended a series on calling, which is where we learn who we are, not what we are supposed to be doing, but who we are, which our calling is our identity. But now we need to discover the way to actually walk into the calling. And and this series is called Discovery because we're really diving into the intersection between passion and and giftings. We're diving into where the two things collide. And last week, I'm not going to go back and re-preach the sermon, but if you did not watch it, you can go to nolachurch.com. You can pull it up on the app or even on our YouTube channel. Or if you like podcasts, it's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. 
you can get caught up on the series, but basically here's what we covered last week in a, in a nutshell. There's something that happens in your life when passion is sparked in you. This is what happens when the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, the one who is the character of God begins to invade your reality. And when this spark happens, that is where your life truly begins to take shape. And as we've learned in the scripture that we just read as our foundational scripture, the wind blows where it wants to, but you don't really know where the wind's coming from. And this is really an affront to modern day religion and modern day denominationalism because Christianity has decided that we know everything there is to know about God. You got random people stopping you on the street telling you things that have no bearing in the word of God. You've got celebrity preachers on YouTube and all these places telling you words from God. You have other congregations that you've got no connections with telling you vision for your life. You've got believers you've never even met. Like They used to call those fortune tellers, but now they call them Christians. They're talking to crystals as if crystals know anything about God. Talking to dead people as if dead people know anything about God. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, don't get stuck in what was. It's time to move forward. And Christianity has become as superstitious as paganism. We're looking for an answer somewhere. We're looking for something beyond what we know because we, we don't really want to lean into who God has designed us to be because we would rather seek position and title because then we get noticed. We would rather have a stage. We would rather have the notoriety. We would rather have the followers. But my friend, I want to tell you, if that is where you're living, you are chasing the wrong idea. God wants you to discover passion when his spirit breathes into who you are. It's not about what you do. It's about who he is and about who you are because of who he is. So when passion begins to spark in your life, this is where the whole direction of your life begins to change. This is where everything in your story begins to radically be altered. And you don't know where the wind's coming from. You think you've got an idea. You read a theological book. You, you talked to a super spiritual person. You had a meeting with a prophet or, or whatever it is. And I'm putting it in air quotes because I am straight up making fun of it because it's not from God. I'm not, not trying to suck the air out of the room, but I want somebody to hear me. Stop chasing Christian superstition because it feeds an idea that you have about God. You need to go to the word of God and say, what are you saying about yourself? What have you already said about yourself? Not who do I want to be? Not, not what do, how do I become what society wants to be? No, Jesus, how do I become the person you designed me to be before you ever said, let there be life? I want to be that person. I want to find that moment of passion. So Holy Spirit, invade my reality. Invade me and change me from who I've been into who you want me to be. I don't know where your wind's blowing. I, I know it's coming from you, but I can't even tell the direction sometimes because I get so caught up in life. Somebody know what I'm talking about? get so caught up with my job. I get caught up with, with my relationships, with my family, with the things that are happening. You know, finances get out of whack and I stop thinking about anything. And I don't even really know where the wind's coming from. And so I'm like, are you moving here? Trying to find, here, here's the deal. You don't know where the wind is coming from. Stop trying to put God in a box. 
You're not even going to understand everything that the wind is going to do in your life. So stop trying to make him understandable. You're not going to be able to control the wind. Last I checked, there's no machines. I know the CIA's got some cool things, but I don't think they have any wind controlling devices out there. I know the blogosphere says they do. They, they don't start hurricanes. I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Government didn't start the hurricane, so y'all just relax about that. You don't know where the wind's coming from. You can't control the breath of God. You can't determine how the breath of God is going to move in you and through you and out of you and around you. You just have to say, wherever you're blowing, blow me around, Jesus. But see, that, that's uncomfortable because my, my outfit may get messed up. Or if you wear clothes like I wear, it doesn't really matter if they get messed up because you can't even tell they got messed up. God, you're invading my understanding. God, you're invading my Christianity. Yes, you better believe he's invading your Christianity. Because I think there's on some level, God is sick and tired of us being religious. He says, you've got a form of godliness, but you're denying the power of the godliness that I placed in you. You've got the touches, you've got the religion, you've got the pomp, you've got the circumstance, but when I need you to get out there and be the breath of God in the situation, you're scared to death and you pull back like, I don't really know what to say right now. You say, Pastor, it's like you're coming. Yes, I'm coming for all of us. Because we need to discover passion. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to discover passion. Last thing I'll give you as a review from last week. The only place you truly receive passion is from your creator. Your creator will spark your life with passion, but there are desires that are in you that are developed by your conditioning. These are not passions. You may think you're passionate about it, but these are actually lusts. Lust is not always sexual. There are other types of lust that are out there. Anything that is self-serving, anything that is self-fulfilling is a lust. Passion only comes from the one who can give you passion, and his name is Jesus. And when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and by the way, that is a gift for every believer. Even if you were taught that it, that's not a gift for you, or maybe you were taught that that was a gift that ended at the end of the book of Acts, or even at the end of the New Testament, let me just tell you, whoever taught you that was wrong, and they did you a disservice. The promise of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost for all us old school folk is for you, it's for your children, it's for your children's children, it's for all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your God, your creator, your example, your savior, your, your hope, your portion, your power, your sustenance, your provision, your healer, your strong tower, your God, your Jesus sparks passion in your life. That's what we covered last week and now we're going into part two of the series and I'm simply titling this one, Discovering Gifting. Everybody say, Discovering Gifting. Y'all going to preach with me this morning? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a few verses here. And while you're turning there, it's going to be on the screen, but while you're turning there, I want to say happy Sunday to all of my family in Kenya. We love y'all. Buena Asafiwe to all nine locations of NOLA Church in the nation of Kenya. Let's give them a hand right now, everybody. 
I want to say hello to Ashley and her family in Melbourne, Australia. Let's give them a big hand. And I also want to say hello and God bless you to all of our members of the armed services who watch us every weekend, wherever they are stationed. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. God keep you safe. Come on, let's give our armed forces a hand. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read one verse and then skip down into a few others. But when you discover passion, God begins to do something in you. But remember, discovery is the collision or the intersection between passion and giftings. And and Paul is speaking to the, the Corinthian church, which is probably the congregation that is most like the postmodern church that we are a part of today. And he says this, with regard to spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Why is he saying this? Because even in the first century, even just a few years after Jesus ascended, even that close to when he was walking the earth in physical form, his body, his congregation, his community, his church had already begun to drift. And spiritual gifts had already started to be something that he never designed them to be. And so he sends the man of God to the Corinthian church. He says, I want you to tell them the truth. And Paul begins to break something down that just frankly, we need more of this broken down in today's society. The church needs to know about spiritual gifts, what they are, what they are not, how they work, how they do not work, when to use them, when not to use them, when they are of God and when they're just us acting the fool. Says So in regard to spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, and by the way, I believe he said brothers and sisters just to make sure all those chauvinistic people that, think, that thought that God didn't talk to women, he wanted everybody to know. Brothers and sisters, I want everyone to know in regard to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. This is letting us know that it is possible to read the word of God. It is possible to hear the preach word of God or even see the preach word of God because that's how a lot of us get our Jesus fixed throughout the week. It's possible to go to the pop-up church. It's possible to go to the small group. It's possible to go check out the other ministries. It's possible to do all this and be radically disinformed about spiritual gifts. And if calling and, and our whole being of who God designed us to be is only realized or it's only discovered where our passion, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, collides with our gifting, don't you think it's important that we know what the giftings are? It's extremely important for us to understand this. I, I want you to skip down to verse 4. He says some things here that are really, really important. He says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. And we're going to kind of do Bible study today because I don't want anyone to miss this. There are different gifts. Everybody say they're not the same. But they all come from the same source. You don't necessarily recognize the direction the wind's blowing. You hear and you see the effects, but you don't know everything, but you know the source is the same. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. Everybody say they're different. Isn't it interesting that Christianity tries to homogenize everything and make it all the same? 
You got to believe like me. You got to look like me. You got to vote like me. You got to dress like me. You got to go to the same places I go. You got to like the same food I like. You got to like the same kind of music I like. That's what Christianity does. But God is not about sameness. God is about diversity. Because in diversity, we begin to see the beautiful God colors that he has already planted in the world. I'm not supposed to be just like you. You're not supposed to be just like me. God help you if you were just like me. You're going to be one jacked up individual if you're just like me. There's only one of you. There's only one of me. We're not supposed to be the same. That's why God gifts us differently. This is why our ministry, our overflow, not our title. Your ministry is not your title. Your church is not your ministry. Stop calling it that. You're not part of a ministry here. You're only part of a ministry here if you're actually ministering. You got to be filled up so you can overflow ministry. Ministry is service. Ministeros literally means servant. It literally means the lowest form of pond scum in the servant. It's the one that gets down here and says, can I help you? Can I wash your feet? But Christianity says, no, the ministry gets the special chairs and the special titles We're going to elevate humanity, put you on a stage, let everybody, and we call that, no, that's not ministry, friend. That's disaster waiting to happen. Service is when you get filled up with passion and he fills you up with who he is and then he begins to flow out of you. Different giftings, but the same spirit. Different ministries, but the same Lord. I love this, verse six. And there are different results. It's not always going to look the same. Well, when I use my gifting, this is how it looks. Or, you know, I read the book that lifeway.org was displaying this month, and they said that it stopped. There are different results, but the same God who produces all them in everyone. Who produces the results? Y'all not preaching. Who produces the results? Y'all got to be louder than the kids. Who produces the results? Notice verse 7. To each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. It's very interesting when when you dive into... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. And by the way, over the next few weeks, we're going to spend a lot of time in these three chapters because, my friends, in regard to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be misinformed. I love the way the King James puts it. I don't want you to be ignorant because it's possible to think you know, but you, you don't know, and you act out of turn, and you act out of order, and you do things. You make decisions for yourself and your family, not really understanding how the Spirit of God actually works, and you end up getting yourself in a pit that you can't get out of, and a pit you can't get out of is basically a rut, and a rut is basically a grave with both ends knocked out, and then you end up burying yourself spiritually because you did not understand how it worked. So we're going to spend a lot of time here. But what's really, really interesting about chapter 12 is chapter 12 follows a very, very important chapter that talks all about communion. Everybody say communion. And for the casual Christian, this is the time of the year that a lot of you receive communion because it's right around Easter time. You do your, you do your communion at Easter. You do your communion at, at, at Christmas or the occasional special service where they do the, like, okay, but... Why do you think that it follows? The reason that it follows is because communion is not about the wafer and the juice. That's religious. 
Communion is not about the sacraments. Communion is not about the elements. Communion is about the community. The word communion can be broken down into common unity. It is all about the body, the brothers and sisters coming together, doing life together. And one of the things that we're going to learn next Saturday night, if, I really hope you all come to our resurrection weekend. It's going to be so much fun. God is doing some awesome things. But one of the things that we're going to learn next Saturday night is that the first century church did not partake of bread and wine the way that the modern day church does because that's a religious reaction. Their communion happened when they sat down to eat a meal because it was all about the remembrance of what Jesus did as he brought people together. So immediately after breaking down the value of living in community, not chasing your own opinion, not chasing your own preference, not chasing your own title, your own position, just being in unity with other believers where you can grow, where you can be challenged. We don't like that part, but that's really, really important to spiritual growth where you can be challenged right after this. He goes, now let's talk about spiritual gifts. And this is where the church begins to get a little wackadoodle. We think that spiritual gifts are about us. This is why we claim that, well, I have the spirit of discernment. We say goofy things like, well, it's my prayer language. We say ignorant things like, I have faith. I have the gift of faith. I have the gift of healing. I have the gift of gifting. I have the gift of whatever. I, I, me, me, look at me. Look at what I have. Look at what I can do. Look at, look at what God can do through me. Have you noticed how awesome I am today? I don't know, Miss Patricia, I love you, but I don't know if you're aware of just how gifted your pastor is. I don't need to follow any order because if I feel it, I am so connected. I'll just do what I, come on, y'all. Giftings are not about the one that the gift is operating through. Giftings are about the person the individual is ministering to. If God chooses to grant you one of the nine primary spiritual gifts, it's not about you. It's about the person sitting next to you who is going through hell. And so he says, do this for them. Does this make sense? It's different ministries. You're a minister. You're a minister. You feel like Oprah. You're a minister. Everybody's a minister. Everybody's a minister. If you're living in community, because if I'm living in community with you and I see you hurting, I don't just go, oh, they're hurting. Put it back up. Did you know they're hurting? I'm just telling you so you can help me pray. No. If I'm living in community with you and I see you hurting, I come to you because I'm already in relationship with you and there's already a level of trust that has been established because we are in relationship. And I can say, you look like you're walking through some funk. How can I serve? 
And in this moment, the same spirit that gave you salvation, the same spirit who resurrected Jesus from the dead empowers you to do ministry to the person who is hurting. And this is the reason the enemy fights community so much. This is the reason society fights togetherness so much. Society claims that togetherness is only togetherness if we all agree. We're not all going to agree. I like green salsa. You may like red salsa, but God's going to heal you if you stay in the presence of God long enough. But here's the truth. There's nothing wrong with red salsa. It just don't taste as good. But you can make heaven like in red salsa. I don't know how, but I'm pretty sure it can happen. Y'all with me? We don't have to be the same. God doesn't want you to do the same thing in the same moment, the same way every time. You get up at the same time every morning. You drink the same cup of coffee. You brush your teeth starting from the left side to the right side every morning. You get in the shower. You wash your feet first and then wash your hair last. I don't know how you do it. That's not how I do it, but maybe that's how you do it. And you go through the motions. You do the same thing every time. You walk into the house of God. Whoo, I feel the spirit. You say the same thing to the same people every time. You only talk to the people who look like you, think like you, dress like you, go to the same places as you, and you say the same things to them every time. Oh, I'm just going through it. I just want y'all to bless me. Just pray for me. And the Lord keeps giving you a word. It's the exact same word, just using different phrases, but it's literally the same thing to the same people every time. And when you're hurting, you want the same people to tell you the same thing. Like That's not how God designed it to be. God designed us to live in community. And when you're hurting, when you're going through something, my relationship with you should reveal some things to my natural self. My brother or my sister is hurting. I'm going to just be in relationship. And in the moment you step out of yourself into their situation, God says, now I can give you the gift that not you need, they need. The gifting is not for you. It's for them. You're not clapping for me. You're clapping for the word of God. It's not about us. It's about them. Amen. Just in case someone did not understand to each person, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the benefit of all. To each person, the manifestation. What does manifestation mean? Manifestation literally means a revealing of what was beforehand not seen. The Spirit of God is revealed in every believer as other believers need the Spirit to be revealed. You didn't get that, but let me say it again. When David, when you're going through something in your life and I make myself available... Because I love you and I'm your friend. I used to be your neighbor and then you got mad and you left and moved three blocks over. But I only cry on Mondays. It's okay. Was it my breath? I'm like, what, what was it? But when you're going through stuff and I step out of myself into you, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is manifested in me, not for me to go, oh, got to get a bus, got to get a blog, got to get a website. It's for me to say, my friend is hurting. 
I'm just here to be the conduit. And the spirit reveals himself in me and comes immediately out of me and begins to minister to you. It's not me serving. It's God himself serving you through me. The same God is doing this through every believer who lives in community. Why do we stress community so much? So that the spirit of God can be revealed in every one of us to everyone who needs the manifestation of the spirit. It's for the benefit of all. Hey, you need God moving. You need to know that you're a part of a church where the spirit of God reigns supreme. You need to know that there's not some hierarchy somewhere saying, this is what we're going to preach. This is what we're not going to preach. This is how we're going to react. This is not how we're going to respond. No, no. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The moment that I stop hearing from God, go find another church. Don't tell me you're not being fed because you are. You're just not eating. That's your job. But anyway. You're getting fed. You may not like the kale salad, but you are being fed. What are you doing with what you've been fed? I just don't feel like I'm a vital part anymore. What are you doing with what has been entrusted to you? Who are you discipling? Or are you just looking for a spiritual fix? Hit me, Jesus. I'm hurting in my life, Jesus. Fix me. They don't notice me. I've got... Here's the problem. We're chasing our preference. We're trying to reshape and remold God in our image. And he's saying, I don't work that way. You don't even know how my spirit works. Why don't you just simply live in community with each other and be available to what I want to do through you? Is this okay this morning? Y'all still like me? Look at your neighbor and say, I still like him. Okay, look at verse 8. Let, let me break this down. In fact, uh, we're going to put this scripture up here, verse 8, and then, then I'm going I'm to show you some, something, some stuff here real quick. For one person is given through the Spirit. Where, where does it come from? The Spirit, the wind of God, the message of wisdom, and another, the message of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit and to another, the gifts of healing by the one spirit. Are are we starting to see a theme established here to another performance of miracles to another prophecy and to another discernment of spirits to another different kinds of tongues or languages and to another, the interpretation of tongues or languages. A couple of things I want you to notice here, and then I'm going to put an illustration up here so you can actually grasp what I'm saying. Every one of these nine primary spiritual gifts come from a single source. His name is Jesus. You cannot read a book and get the gifts. You can, I said this last Sunday, but you can't go to ministry college and learn how to operate in the gifts. You, you can't go talk to someone who is gifted and say, give me your gift. Touch me three times on the top of my head and I'll receive you. That's not how it works. You can't send four payments of $19.95 to your favorite celebrity pastor on TV and get the gift. Someone can't stand in the pulpit. Oh, I'm going to mess with some people here. Someone can't stand in the pulpit and say, oh, you're gifted. That's not how that works. 
someone does that, that's not God. In the old school, we'd call that witchcraft. Today, we just call it crazy church. Because that messes people up and they live under the auspices of what somebody said from the pulpit about them and that person knows nothing about them and the spirit didn't tell them anything about that person. They just wanted to use their position for manipulation. The source of giftings is not us. The source of giftings is the same spirit who calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This okay? So let let me show you. Arlene, if you don't mind, put the first slide in in the series today. All right. We learned some stuff last week. This is your life. Everybody say, my life. Say, I like how y'all said it just like me. This is my life. Notice the beginning of your life begins your design. These are really small. I made it small so you could see everything. Go back and watch last week's video. You see all the stuff really big. This is your talent. Notice your talent is a completely different direction than God has for you. We learned last week that your talent is all about your pride. It's all about feeding your pride. And then when passion happens right around here, you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Passion literally changes the direction of your life radically alters everything about you. Your talents won't get you to where God designed you. Your talents only become useful if you turn them over to him. But God doesn't really need your talent. He doesn't need you to worry about what you know, what you have, or what you've accomplished on your own. He just wants you to receive him. And when you receive him, boom, it collides with your design. And this is when you're calling. It's like this collision happens and God says, come be in relationship with me. And this upward elevation that we see right here this is God calling you into relationship not position not title not a new job description this is God himself saying be in relationship with me and he begins to do things in you and we just read this passage of scripture he begins to gift you Every time God gives a gift to you, it's another spot in that relationship with him where he's called you a little bit closer to him and he begins to pour a little bit more of himself out of you into someone else's life. And you see there are nine primary spiritual gifts. There are 15 other non-primary gifts that we see throughout the Bible. But these are the nine gifts of the Spirit that come when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By the way, you don't get these nine until you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's stay in the word of God. They're gifts of the spirit. They're not gifts of conditioning. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's going to start you off with some wisdom. He's not going to trust you to go out and do miracles until you first learn some wisdom. The way things are ordered in the Bible are important. When one of the writers begins to put things in a series, that series is important. Paul is like the master of series. If you you read any of his writings, two-thirds of the New Testament, you see that he constantly puts things in order. You've got to learn wisdom before you can step out and do a whole lot of other stuff. Because if you start misusing the gift of faith, or you start misusing the gift of prophecy and you don't have spiritual wisdom, you're going to mess somebody up. So when you begin to be in that relationship with your God, that passion sparks this moment in your life and God says, let me give you a little bit of wisdom. But why do I need the gift of wisdom? Let's go to the next slide. 
This is why you need the gift of wisdom. So that you can speak godly wisdom to another believer. Not so you can know things. Have you ever had a friend in the church who was going through some stuff and they're like, this is what I'm going through. And you went, I don't even know what to say to you right now. Anybody besides me ever been there? I'm, I'm like, y'all call me and you want to meet with me and you want to, I'm like, I have no idea what to say to you. <laughs> Dang, that sucks. <laughs> you know, because when you rely on your own strength, you don't have any wisdom. But when I need it or when you need it for another believer, God is going to breathe his spirit into your life and manifest himself in you and through you. And he's going to give you a word of godly wisdom, not to make you wise, but for you to give that word of wisdom to another believer. Does that make sense? It's not, look at your neighbor and say, the wisdom's not for me. It's for you. All right, let's go to the next slide. He will also gift you with knowledge. Knowledge is not about information. He's going to give you the gift of knowledge so you can speak godly understanding to another believer. I read this in the Bible and it doesn't make sense to me. This is what I think it means or this is what my favorite celebrity pastor told me that it meant. But what does it mean? I, I don't know. Let's pray. And God says, you're available. Here's some godly wisdom. Here's some godly knowledge. And you begin to speak. You open your mouth to just talk to them and God begins to speak through you and you speak a word of godly understanding to another believer so that they can have understanding of what they are reading in the word of God. You don't get a gift of knowledge so you can tell somebody what they had for breakfast three weeks ago. That's a parlor trick. That's about the people doing the speaking. This is about God. This is about another believer. This is so God can use you to be effective in someone else's life. God's not trying to elevate you. He's trying to elevate them. He's trying to bring healing and ministry to them. Does this make sense? Okay, let's, let's go to the next slide. Then he gives us the gift of faith. So you can have faith for another believer's situation. Because there will be moments in your life when you do not have faith. Wednesday night at Connect the Dots, we, we kind of dived a little bit into this. And I told them about a moment in my life where I had zero faith. I believed in God. I, I was already a pastor, but I had no faith. You see, my, my daughter was lying in my arms dead. And in this moment, the only thing that could come out of my mouth was, God, how in the world would you do this? Actually, I think an exact quote was, how in hell are you doing this? And everything that began to come out of my mouth at this point was far worse than anything that I had just said. You see, in this moment, I lost all faith because my child fell apart in my hands. And I had no faith. And because I had no faith, my natural came out. And I literally began to curse God at the top of my lungs. How dare you take her from me? I had no faith. But I thank God that my dad walks over with full of the manifestation of the Spirit and takes my baby's head in his hands. And while his son had no faith and was losing his junk in front of God and everybody, he began to pray the prayer of faith for me. 
I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. My mom was on the other side of the room saying, God, take those words out of his mouth. But also, like a good mama does, she began to pray for healing on the other side. My dad had the gift of faith. My mom had the gift of healing. I had neither. I didn't even have Jesus in this moment. But because somebody was willing to allow themselves to be the manifestation of God, Eden is sitting back there running the lights today. Don't you dare tell me God doesn't do miracles. Don't you dare tell me God's not real. I've already seen it with my eyes. You can't take it away from me. But you need to rely on the faith of another believer when you are in a faithless moment. That's why God will give me the gift of faith, Renzo, because you're going to run into things where you have no faith. This is why you can't do life alone, because if you have no faith and you're by yourself, well, God will give me, no, he will not. He's going to put you with another believer. I just need to pull back and be by myself because you don't understand my situation. You're right, I don't. But I know someone who does. And he wants you to be in relationship with me so that I can be available to you in the moment that you need it. This makes sense? Okay, let's go to the next slide. Healing, I've already talked about it. You heal another believer's body or mind. No, God heal them. No, God said you go heal them. I'm going to give you, no, notice this, Jesus sends the disciples out in pairs of two and tells them, go heal the sick. He doesn't say, go call my name and they will be healed. He says, go heal the sick. Man, it got quiet, which lets me know you don't think you can heal nobody. You can't, unless you become the manifestation of the spirit and he begins to heal somebody through you. But are you living in community with the Spirit of God? Are you living in community with the body of Christ so that you can become that healing for them? Well, I, 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 want, I want Donnie to get up out the wheelchair. I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to race one day. I'm going to beat you. But do we want Donnie to get up out of the wheelchair? And he hates this right now. He doesn't want anybody to even notice him, but I love you. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for bringing your special chair to this. Donnie can't heal himself. That's why God put Donnie in community. So the community can get a little bit of wisdom, can get a little bit of knowledge, can get a little bit of faith. So when we get some faith, we can go over and we can become the manifestation of the spirit and God will heal him. I believe it's going to happen. It's not going to be through our power. It's going to be through the power of God working through us. I believe the, how do you believe this? Because I've witnessed it with my own eyes. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Amen? Take us to the next slide. He gives us the gift of miracles for us to perform miracles for another believer. Isn't it interesting? God doesn't even categorize healing as a miracle. It's just so natural in his, it's, it's just like, that's like breathing. Oh, you're a believer? Okay, healing's going to happen. Okay, then we'll do miracles. Because you see, we want it to happen in the physical, but what if it needs to happen in the mind? What if it needs to happen in the emotions? What if it needs to happen in the relational element? The church is scared to death of that because the church has done a bad job of helping people deal with mental health. 
because the church doesn't know what to do because the church has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. It's time for us to get back to the throne room. It's time to get so filled with the power of God that when we speak, we open our mouth and godly wisdom comes out of our mouth instead of pop culture and psychobabble. It begins to come out and then miracles will begin to happen because we become the manifestation of the spirit. I'm preaching already. Let's go to the next one. Gift of prophecy is to speak a prophetic truth to another believer. This is not to tell them fortunes. We had Chinese food last night. We learned about fortune cookies last night. Some of the young adults had never played the fortune cookie game, and it's awesome. Like, add the phrase in the bathroom after every phrase that you read on the fortune cookie thing, and it just makes the dinner a whole lot fun because those cookies are nasty. But a a prophetic word is not telling someone's fortune. I'm I'm not a tarot card reader. By the way, the gift of prophecy does not even make you a prophet. Prophet is a God designed office for individuals so that they can have spiritual authority over the body of Christ, not just in a congregation, but over the body of Christ. But God will give you a word of prophecy when another believer needs to understand what this says. Prophecy is not, well, the Spirit is speaking to me. Hang on, let me find out. No, this is prophecy. If it's not here, it's not prophecy. Prophecy is what comes out of the mouth of God. Prophecy is the living word of God. You don't need a prophet to tell you something you didn't already know. You need a prophet to open up the word of God and speak a prophetic word over you. In other words, you need to open the word of God and say, this scripture applies to you because this is what you're going through. That's what prophecy is. It's not telling you the future. It's not telling you the past. It's not manipulating you with witchcraft or other hoodoo or voodoo or any of this other mess or crystals or, or any of the other junk that Christianity's getting hooked up in right now. It's not incantations. It's the word of God. And in the moment that you're going through hell and someone who is a believer in community with God and in community with you is sitting there talking to you and God says, tell them the scripture. Say this. That's Prophecy. But I'm not even a prophet. You're exactly right. He's not putting you in that office. He's putting the prophetic word in you because you were available. Now, ministeros overflow that onto them. Let's go to the next slide. Discernment. I I said this last week. This has nothing to do with Star Wars. Discern another believer's spirit or attitude. Man, they are such good people, but they're full of devils. And I just love being around them, but everything about them is trying to pull you away from the community that God planted you in. They're, they're good people. They mean well, but everything they say is not well. They're quoting the gift of Franzia and box wine, by the way. They're quoting pop culture. They're quoting Christianese. They're trying to tell you things that make you feel good. No, you need to have the gift of discernment so you can tell if a person's spirit or attitude is from God. Man, people got to go to the bathroom today. Start talking about the spiritual gift. People, I got to go up out of here. We'll stay here a few more weeks. 
I discern that people drink too much coffee before church. But anyway, <laughs> discern another believer's spirit or attitude. I, I, I want to love them, but there's something that just doesn't connect with my spirit. You need the gift of discernment so you can walk up to them and say, hey, you okay? You need to come be with brothers and sisters so that we can love you to a place of spiritual health. Not for me to go, hmm. That's, that's not what the gift of discernment. Now let's go to languages. Okay, here's what's really cool. Gift of languages. Why do we need this? To speak in another language for personal edification. Notice this. In the list of nine primary spiritual gifts, this is the first one that is focused toward the person performing are operating in the gift. This is not your prayer language. This is not for you to speak publicly. This is not for you to prove your spirituality. This is not for you to say, I'm extra saved. I'm saved on steroids. That's not what that is. Or spiritual muscle milk, whatever you want to... Speaking in another language is for you. God sees you when you don't know what to pray or even how to pray. And in this moment, the spirit will pray through you with moanings and groanings that cannot be uttered. That is a gift from God. Why do I need this gift? So that your spirit can be edified. It's not for you to stand up in front of people and say, that's not God. That's you. Stop. Well, I just, I can't, I go to, I get to worship and I just got to speak in tongues. Then that ain't God. You got comfortable with what the Bible calls a familiar spirit and you're doing something to be noticed. Rain it in, Joe Boo. We're going to do things the right way. That's about you. That's for your personal effort. In fact, he, he tells us in chapter 13 and 14, you need to do that at home. You need, you need to get lost in the spirit at home in your prayer closet so you can be edified because when you're with the believers, it's not about you anymore. It's about them. And you're, you're bibbidi-bobbidi-booing in another language. They don't know what you're saying. They're like, what the world? And an unbeliever comes in like, what is wrong with these people? Are we just getting the ghost? Like, stop getting the ghost. You're not in this for you. You're in this for them. You're filled with him to be there for them. Stop making it about you. And I, this is just my, no, it's not your gift. He will give it to you when you need it. In fact, he says, I wish everybody did, but not everybody will. Because some people can't handle this gift. They make it about themselves. But here's the deal. God understands. Because by the way, if you have never been in a position where the spirit of God begins to speak through you. If you've never been there, let me tell you, it's the most amazing experience you've ever had in your life. And it's undeniable God. There's no way, like someone else may not know that it's God, but I promise you, you know beyond anything else that God is speaking through me right now. And it begins to build your spirit away. And God knows that I am going to like this. And I'm going to go to the house of God. And I'm going to get lost in worship. I'm going to start speaking in tongues. I'm going to be... Keem's going to be over there hitting those extra notes that he's learned how to do over the last few months. It's just like, I'm going to be like, whoa, I feel my groove. And just like God's going to start moving. They sing day and night, night and day. Let incense arise. And he, here I go. And I'm going to start speaking in another language because God knows that I like it. So he gives me gift number nine, which is interpretation. 
Because he doesn't want it to just be about me. He wants you to be blessed the same way that I'm getting blessed. Why do I need the gift of interpretation so it doesn't become about me? Because God knows when it becomes about me, I get jacked up in my spirit. Verse 11. It's one and the same spirit distributing as he decides. It's one and the same spirit distributing as he decides. To each person who produces all these things. What's the purpose of spiritual gifts? You need them. I need to live in community with you because when you need a spiritual gift, I've got to be available to be the manifestation of the Spirit in your situation. Does that make sense? Who decides when I need what gift and how the same spirit distributes as he decides? God, God, I, ooh, that one time you gave me the gift of faith. They don't need the gift of faith. They need the gift of knowledge. I'm going to give you the gift of knowledge. God, I I don't feel very wise. I, I need the gift of, no, they actually need miracles. So I'm going to give you the gift of miracles. God is the one who decides which gift you need when you need it and who it needs to be used to minister to. This is why you don't go to the mall, set up a booth and start giving words of knowledge to people. This is why you don't just stop random people on the side of the road and tell them a word from God because God doesn't operate like that. You see, the nine gifts of the Spirit, Arlene, if you don't mind, put that full list, that last slide, put put that up there. These nine spiritual gifts are designed to be used in this environment. Because if you start using a gift of the Spirit in an environment that's not conditioned by the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes about the people who are operating. All week long, we spend time in the prayer room getting ready for Sunday, getting our hearts right. Worship team comes on Thursday and they they rehearse to make sure the notes are right and the parts are right. Make sure the songs flow well. The production team puts time in outside of Sunday to make sure the kids team puts work in to make sure your little crumb crunchers are going to get connected to Jesus. We do small groups to get you ready to come in and overflow on Sundays, not just to have something else for you to do on your calendar. But all week long, we're saturating the environment to where when you walk into the house of God, if you're going through hell, There's another believer who's connected to God and has been spending time with God and God says, go give them this gift. This happens in the house. This is why it's so important that you are in the house. By the way, families need to go to the same house. Why? Because if a family is divided, they're going to fall for anything. We need to have unity. Moms and dads, it's time to step up and be the spiritual authority. 
You need to step into the place of spiritual authority and say, as for me and my house, this is how things are going to go because we're going to follow the word of God. We're not going to follow preference. We're not, not going to follow opinion. This happens in the house. That's why the house is so important. Well, aren't there many houses? Yes, there are many houses. That's not the point. God takes the lonely and places them and puts them in a family so God can begin to minister to that individual through the giftings that he is planting in the family. Because God wants to do something in that individual's life in that moment. Here's the deal. You need the gifts of the Spirit to minister to you. This is why you need believers who are strong. This is why you need believers who are on fire for God. This is why you need a pastor who's not going to be swayed by opinion, who's going to get in the Word of God and tell you the truth of the Word of God, even if it offends him and you. This is why you need a bunch of people that will look you in the eyes and say, hey, you're tripping right now. You're chasing the wrong idea, and you need to allow God to minister to you through this. This is what you need. Because these gifts are designed for you. How, how, do, we, how do we get there, Pastor? We have to have the moment of collision with the breath of God where he baptizes us with his spirit and takes us beyond our talent. Over the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into the spiritual gifts more. And with as much distractions as we had today with people having to go to the bathroom as much, we're going to do this a few weeks because I'm going to make sure you get it. But there's a few things that I'm going to teach you. Talent has nothing to do with your gifting, but God sees your talent and wants your talent. And true sacrificial worship is when we take the thing that's all about us and we lay it on the altar of his holiness and he burns it up with his fire. And now what we invested ourselves into becomes part of the thing that elevates us into his presence. But it can't happen until we've had the intersection with his spirit. This is why we're going deep. I don't want us to be a goofy church. Just being real. When you're on stage, keep your shoes on. No, we're not setting up finger painting on this side. That's weird. We're not going to do it. We're not going to be waving flags in the church. We're not Jewish. We don't need to do that. I'm not going to get up here and blow a shofar. I'm also not going to wear a robe when I'm preaching, Morgan, no matter how much you ask me to. Isn't everybody happy that we have Jasmine here with us today? A whole new world. But, but, but here's the deal, y'all. We're not going to get weird. We're going to get biblical. And here, here's my prayer. In case, and if, if you did not know this, let me just go ahead and peel back the layer. I don't want anyone to be confused. I believe that every person 
who has been called by God can and should receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost the same way they received it in Acts chapter 2. I believe this. I don't believe that that's necessary for salvation because that's empowerment. But I believe that if you're going to live an empowered life, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know that it's available for you because if he's going to give me this amazing gift, why would he keep it from you? You're better than I am. So here's the deal. This church is going to be creating the environment where you can walk into the house of God and you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know this. The moment that you receive this moment of passion, the moment you're water baptized into the almighty name of Jesus and the authority of almighty God is entrusted to you and you come out of that water and you put on Christ like you're putting on new clothes. The moment this happens, this is no longer about you. It's about them. Who's the them? Look at the people sitting next to you. We're not going to be building little kingdoms for us. We're not going to be building little cliques of our preference. We're not going to be building little little small groups where we get to notice me. No, no, we're not going to do any of that. What we're going to do is we're going to live in community so we can be so filled with the Spirit of God that when we come together, God begins to operate through us and the manifestation of the Spirit begins to happen because we need to be the church. So here's my prayer. I want every eye closed. I want every head bowed. I know that this morning, this sermon bumped you where you are. I can tell by the look on some of your faces that there's discomfort here. And I understand that. Anytime the word of God collides with our humanity and maybe we hear something we've never heard before, there's a little bit of a collision. And I get that. God understands that. So here's here's what I want to do. I want for the next few moments there to be no distractions. I want you to not worry about who's sitting next to you. I want you to not worry about anything that's happened up to this point. I want you to, in your own way, I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to simply say, Jesus, I need you more than I need anything else. Jesus, I need the incense of your spirit in my life right now. Jesus, I need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that I can go beyond myself, not for my entitlement, not for my abilities, God, but so that I can be useful for somebody else, God. I want to be a vessel of honor for you, God. I want to be somebody that you can use in this moment. I want you to work in me, and I want you to work through me, not for my name, God, but so that your kingdom will be fulfilled, Lord Jesus. So God, right now, in this moment, I repent of everything in me that is not of you, Lord. I repent of every mindset that I've locked myself into. Lord, I repent of every false prophecy that was spoken over me. Lord, I repent of every bad idea that I've chased. God, I repent of anything that has tried to take precedent in my life over you. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I give myself completely to you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit to overflowing. Make me a vessel for you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, these altars are open.